All right, we're recording. Um, I'm here with Michael Orr, who I found on Twitter. He's a guy who's doing some really cool stuff with tiny houses that I really like. Um, he's a really good guy. He's trying to do something good for other people. Michael, who are you? What do you do? Um, my name is Michael Orr. Um, I'm retired. Um, I used to work for a transit agency in supervision. So I know how to run a business, you know. Mm. But now that I'm retired and, you know, about three, four years ago, I got really sick and I almost passed. So that's why I packed everything up and I moved to Mexico and me and my wife went down there, spent time with family and stuff. And I was like, how can I help people? Because poverty is in every country. So I tried to get this container homes going down there. Um, you know, I had the crew, I had everything, but it, everybody wants a profit down there. They're, I, I don't want to say anything bad about Mexico, but unless you're making somebody money, you're not going to get money. So, so why is it, I kind go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say what makes it what makes it different down there? Is it just the just the way that the culture is? Is it um different like yeah, you know, wealth the inequality, stuff like that? The wealth inequality is huge. I mean, there's there is no middle class in Mexico. You're either rich or you're poor. That's it. Yeah. That's uh so so you had to come up, you had to come back to this, to the States to do kind of what you wanted to, right? And you were explaining that? Right, right. And so I came to Denver um, after I got a lot of people following me and I, I met up with this guy, Gene. Um, he's going to be my business partner. He does a, he, he grows hemp. He's a scientist. He's been studying hemp for, I don't know, probably 20 years. And um, he's he's got a way where we can build a house for about seven thousand dollars. The outside shell, you know, you you know, like when you're doing the three D printing on the homes, um, it'll kind of be like that. The outside shell is going to be the cheapest part of the house, and then the plumbing and stuff like that. But see, with him, it's fireproof. I mean, it won't burn. I thought how, so, that's crazy to hear because, um, you know, like people smoke marijuana, but like hemp doesn't burn. Hemp doesn't burn um, when it's mixed with lime and, you know, how oh, they wow. mix it. So if you do a, like a fire test on a hemp blocks, you'll be amazed by what you see and we could do it cheap and what we're trying to do is get the money together we tried going through the government we got turned down twice so we're trying to just get a bunch of people together and start building these homes and giving them away we want to do a non-profit the only person we want to benefit from our homes is the person that gets it you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking on your uh, 
your website, The Dream Homes Project, and it's, it's incredibly humanitarian. And not only, you know, like, it's not just a good thing for the people getting the homes. Like, when more people have homes, it, it's good for everybody. Um, I forget what's, which city did it, but I think they were providing, like, very, very tiny homes with limited amenities to a lot of their homeless. Yeah. And it was, it was cheaper in taxes because the police weren't going out and arresting people all the time. Um, you know, people aren't living on the streets, so that's good. Why, why do you think it's and hard to get... There's less violence and, uh, and stuff between homeless people if you can lock your stuff up. Mm, yeah. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. And it's like, not only that, we want to bring homeless people in and give them a place to live and a job working the hemp farms. You know, this is... This is not medical marijuana. This is industrial marijuana. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't get high off this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's beautiful. I didn't even know they were also like giving them jobs. And uh, I like what you said too. If they if they on the website, if they live there for five years, they have to live there for five years, and then they can sell the home or rent it out. It's like their home after five years. Yeah, after five years, you know, they can do what they want. It, yeah. All it is is a stepping stone for young couples, retirees to finish their life, um, people trying to just make a living. Now, it took me a long time to get my house. But when I did, you know all the tax benefits and stuff you get? You know, the EDIL loan that they did, you could have got $10,000. If you own a house, you know, so there's a lot of benefits. And if you can work a minimum wage job without paying rent and you could just pay your utilities and everything and your taxes, you could save up for a better place or you could just save your money and start a business or you can start a community business with your neighbors. Yeah, and what I really like about what you said is you also turned it into, oh, you can also start a business. Because I feel like this is a very, like, and I mean this in the classical sense, like it's a, it's a, it's a very, like, liberal idea in that, you know, you're, you're helping, like, the community in a way by giving, by giving them something, even though it's, it's through, uh, you know, it's a nonprofit. But then I think it, it'll get a lot of people, you know, especially, like, once this grows, politicians and then people in general who are on the right to say, Oh, well, if it's going to help start businesses, then yeah. And you're also giving people jobs. Yeah. So yeah. What, have you seen any, cause I, I see people like, it, it reminds me of, and I know it's not the same thing, but it, at all, but it reminds me of in Canada and, and I think some other countries, they have centers where people who are heroin addicts can cleanly shoot up so they don't die and it works really well. And it, but it gets a lot of backlash from people because they just don't understand that it's better to do that. And I think with this, people don't understand that it's better to actually provide homes for people because it helps everybody not only save money, but make more money. Why do you think there's, you know, if there's any like pushback against this kind of thing and why isn't, why isn't helping people get homes more mainstream, especially with the homeless crisis, homelessness crisis we have? Because of the housing market. Right now, we're at a shortage, as you know. You know, I could make three times off my house what I paid for it today 
but I'm renting it out so I can just go around and, you know, do what I want to do. And what I want to do is this. I want to provide homes for people so they can provide a living for their family. So have you, yeah, how, how much progress have you gotten so far with the project? I have one main donor. I'm not going to give out her name. Sure. Um, and that's about it. I have a lot of people who support me do, who do not have money. You know, they, mm. as in, you know, retweeting everything and then supporting me, trying to get Andrew Yang involved. I've been trying to get Andrew Yang involved in this since he was running for president. That's how yeah, long you, I've been working on this. Yeah, you mentioned uh, he was the one who inspired you to kind of do this. Uh, we were talking before I started recording. Could you go into, go into like what about his campaign or him as a person inspired you? Humanity forward. And the only way to be humane, you know, I figured he was going to become president and give everybody $1,000. So I figured if I give him a house, he gives him $1,000. Can you imagine if all these young kids, how smart they are, if they had time to think about new technologies instead of worrying about paying for their old technology that they learned, this would be a great country. Yeah, right. If, if more people were afforded, like, it's like a lot of people say, a lot of people in the middle, a lot of, like, people that are, like, Yang supporters, uh, I, I think, too. Yeah. They say, you know, like, we want equal opportunity, and, like, whatever the outcomes are, they're whatever the outcomes, but there's so many people, like, they don't have homes, they don't have access to good, edu like, good education. Uh, for example, um, where I live in New Jersey, um, there's a city by me called Newark, and there's... Um, it's a it's like a low income city for the most part. Right. And uh, there my a person I used to be friends with taught at this music school and it was a choice school. And these kids to avoid the public schools because the public schools were so bad, even if they didn't like music, they would try to go to this music school just so they could get out of this terrible environment that they, they would have been uh, subjected to at the regular public schools. And it's just yeah. it's just crazy to me because clearly clearly a lot of the kids in, in these types of environments are geniuses they're incredibly smart but they're not afforded the same education as you know someone from uh, you know not even maybe 40 minutes away in montclair which is like a yeah. which is like a high look very high income area i mean uh the guy who co-hosts uh with jimmy fallon lives there i'm pretty sure you know so yeah. it's just it's if we we just, I think as a country, once things, you know, aren't as crazy as they are right now because there's a lot of other things happening, but I think, I think we need to start, like you said, moving forward, using human humanity forward ideals, you know, the ethos yeah. of it. And by doing that, I mean, I just don't see how there could be any negativity from it at all. I, I mean, I don't, do you? No, I, I don't get I hardly get any negativity. The only thing I mainly get is, uh, you know, people comment, um, oh, you can't do it for that, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. And 
A lot of it I let go because, you know, it's something I've been studying for a very long time. And after you answer a certain question over and over, you kind of just let it go, you know? Mm. Yeah, you kind of um, just get used to giving like, oh, well, it's it's not me. It's like other people are just, they don't know about what I know, really. Well, it's not really. Because container homes started back in the 80s, you know. I... I was first introduced to a container home by this guy named Steve in North Carolina. He was building one. He was like 21, 22 years old. I was like nine. So I used to stop by and, you know, I used to work in the tobacco fields. And he said, I'll pay you the same price if you go get tools and stuff for me. So I got really fascinated with this. He built this container home, one container with a kitchen, everything. And I was like, that is great. He, he impressed on me so much that I named my firstborn son after him, Stephen. And um, basically, he taught me hard work and perseverance helps out, you know. Yeah, so that's, that's what I've been doing. I, I'm not getting a lot of money off this. I'm, be, I'm getting a lot of people who are following me on this. So a little bit more work. We'll get there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, what is it? The number one trait of successful people is, I think it's persistence or perseverance, one of those two. I mean, yeah. you know, you've, you've been in the business game for a while. You got to just... Look, you got to just keep, no matter what you're doing, you got to just keep doing it and whatever. If you hit some bumps, you hit some bumps, but things are hills. There's, you know, if you go down a hill yeah. too hard, you can climb back up it just as, uh, just as strong or, you know, probably stronger. And if not, I mean, like you just keep going really. And you have, if you, if you don't yeah. do that, it's over. And especially my, um, my friend, Ethan Shapiro, who I had on the second episode of this podcast, you remind me of him. He, oh yeah. Yeah, he is a realtor in Colorado, actually, believe it or not. And he donates 50% of his profits to help fight climate change. And, like, that's what helps keep him going. Like, you know, so when you're doing something what you're doing or what Ethan's doing, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you kind of have, you kind of have well, uh, You know, hemp homes are carbon negative, right? Wait, your, your homes are carbon, tiny homes are carbon negative? The hemp homes, yes. They're I didn't know that. carbon negative. Yes. Why is that? Um, I don't know the facts on that, to tell mm. you the truth. That's why I have Gene. Yeah. Um, I'll have to have he Gene does on. All the... Say again? I'll have to have Gene on eventually, too. Oh, yeah. He'd love to come on, you know? Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. But um yeah, he he knows so much about hemp. He's got he knows more than I do and I've been studying it for about a year. Mm -hmm. He's got twenty years on me. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So when he tell when he shows me all the stuff, 
It's it's fantastic. You got to go to his website. Let me see if I can find his website. Here. Yeah, let's let's it's, plug it right now. <laughs> let's let's let people know where to find yeah. it. find all you guys. And Gene, uh, by the way, Gene, sorry. Uh, Gene Lazeski, L A S E C K I at Gene dash L A S E C K I. Perfect. And I will make sure I link him in the des description as well so people can okay. find him and as well as your yeah, website he, to see what you guys are doing. Right. Because I, I, I was just going for low cost. And he's the one that brought in fireproof and carbon negative. Mm. And I was like, wow. I was, I was sold right away. I said, like, okay, let's do this. See, let's do a grant. So... We had this judge out of Kentucky wrote up a grant for us, and Gene's not a patient person, so he kind of gave up. Mm. But you always lose the first time when you apply for a grant. That's the oh, one yeah. thing everybody's telling me. Yeah, I don't... I don't... Yeah, like, I, I kind of feel like, especially when you're doing something new and innovative like that, it's it's all, it's even going to be harder to get yeah. a grant. Because I think people just, it's so new and it's so progressive that people don't under, really under, like, maybe not understand it. They can read the grant and understand why it's important. But because of, yeah. like, societal reasons, they might just be like, well, what is this? Well, what are you trying to, what are you trying to show me? And, like, it's like they don't they really don't understand the true impact of, uh, of this. Do you, now, do you live in a tiny home yourself? Um, actually for the last three years, I've been living in a 27 by eight, um, motor home. Okay. Yeah. So kind of similar. Yeah. But, uh, I do that by choice, you know, I right. just want because right. you know, I want to see my family and stuff before I go. So, that's what I want to do. My wife got sick with coronavirus, and she's unable to work right now. Oh. So we're gonna we're starting a business here in mm -hmm. Colorado, providing desserts and stuff for restaurants. She's been in that business for ever since we got married, twenty seven years ago. So, you know, you and your wife too. You've been very close to. You know, you, you've had a lot of, like, how do I put this? Like, you guys have, you know, had some scares, you know, some, some life-ending scares. And how does that, I got to ask, like, just as a, as a young person um, who hasn't been through something like that, like, how does it change, how does that change you? Like, how does it change your perspective to have, you know, instances where, you know, you or someone you're so close to or, or, or you know, it, it, you, you know, you're, you might, you might, it might be the end. It's, it's scary for yeah. someone like me or people listening who don't really know how that feels. Well, for, for me, I just want to enjoy the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. If something would have happened to my wife, that would have devastated me. Yeah. And she, she got but, the coronavirus, and that's, you know, that's, yeah. I'm, I heard, I don't, you know, know how hard she got hit, but just from what I hear, man, that she was like. Passed. Oh shit! Well, yeah. So anyone who's listening that thinks this is just like the flu, like 
No, it's oh, not no, at all. This shit's real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're so real. wrong. Is it anno- is it annoying then to like when you see all this misinformation out there about it? Yeah. 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 But I can't do nothing about it, so I gotta just let it go. See, that's You're like right. the kind of yeah that that's the perspective that I uh, that I, that I admire, and and uh, I think someone with all your experiences in life is just gonna you know. You're, you're going to have yeah. that at a certain point. Like you said, you just want to enjoy the present, really, right? Right. Because yeah. nobody knows what tomorrow brings. Yeah, and it's, so, why do you think it's so hard for people to, you know, I think a lot of people know that, but why is it so hard for a lot of people to accept it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't accept it when I was working. I was larger than life, you know, running a company. Um I was I was the boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just a lifestyle, I guess, that some, you just go into. And then you have to change your lifestyle when something else presents itself. Mm, right. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, we all go through, like, I guess you could call it a spiritual evolution, right? You know, like if something, yeah, just like the world, if something big happens, there's a big change. Yeah, because I was at work when I dropped, when I, when I passed out, mm-hmm. and uh, I woke up a week later. Oh man! Yeah, yeah, I went into a coma three times. Each time was a week. And, but I pulled through it. Yeah. And now I just want to go out. I want to spend time with family. You never get to spend enough time with family. I don't care who you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what that's what most people say on their their deathbed. I think actually, like, like you know, you think it's oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have you know went to France. But no, actually, I think I think this is true. Most people say I wish I would have spent more time with my family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good that you do that. And like you said, Michael, you moved up, you know, to Colorado to spend some time with your boys. And I think that's, that's beautiful. You're obviously a family man who cares. And um, yeah, I think, I think that's especially important right now. I I think in our modern society, we've like, especially my generation, we've lost the idea of why family is so important and that it is important that family and be with someone you truly love. And it's, uh, It's kind of sad to see that go, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you think it would come back? Do you think? Do you think people, you know, are going to go through all these hardships and start to love again, or do you think? Oh, I think. I think after this coronavirus is over and they've realized how much time they spent with their family, and when they go back to work, they're going to start missing their family. Mm. And it's but it's not going to happen until they start going back to work. Right. Right. And then, and- and that, wouldn't it be better to have a business home out of your house? Spend time with your family? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Right. That's like the goal, right? Well, to work from home and just own your own business? Right. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I don't want to give everybody a business. I just want to give them an opportunity to do what mm. they want. And yeah. I hope this catches on. I really do. I hope we can go into 
every state. Um, I can start it, but I'm not going to be able to finish it. But I have found somebody who's going to take over if I get sick. Yeah, I was going to ask that, but I didn't want to ask that. <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. ask. <laughs> no, I, I planned ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, I would expect that from you, Michael. You seem like a, you know, guy who does his uh, research and stuff. Um, yeah. It would have been really uncomfortable if I asked and you didn't say it. So, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just want um, to so put people's minds at ease, you know. Yeah, and that's that's really important. Um, it's it's important to not be a nihilist, and you know, to each their own. But yeah. really, when you realize the you know the finity of life, and I mean, how insignificant everything is, all you have to do in the present as a human is to just help and love other people. Because if you don't do that, I mean, what 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 the fuck are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're just you're kind of like wasting away from birth so you gotta you gotta help people because that's and that's a way to end suffering that's a way to help end human suffering at least to some degree yeah so well hold oh, on sorry. fire truck going by oh good i thought it was a plane <laughs> i live down the street from a fire department right now Oh, me too. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been... I'm here in Colorado. Um, I tell a lot of my um, people that follow me, I tell them what restaurant I go to. I always invite people to come down and have breakfast, you know? Yeah, man. talk about things if they ever have questions. Yeah, if I'm ever out there, I'll uh, I'll come and visit. I'll come and visit you, man. Uh, uh, hopefully, you know, I like well, the, you know. Hopefully, I can travel. You know. Yeah, I'm hoping the next time I talk to you or or uh, see you, you'll be coming on site, staying at one of the places, and because we're gonna keep one house as a display house, so we can have people come in, see what we're doing, and maybe go other places and do the same thing oh i would love that i mean i i personally want to live either in like a travel van or a tiny house i'm thinking more about a tiny house because they're less expensive than the vans yeah surprisingly right. um which shocked me the vans are like you know they're like a hundred thousand dollars but the tiny homes are like 30 to 60 something usually and, you, and they just tiny homes look nicer than regular homes most of the time <laughs> yeah so um you said you're living in a mobile home by choice and I really respect that. It's something that I would have done. Why is there, you know, what do you think about the, I guess, uh, specifically the American condition that makes people think that bigger is better, even though I think we, you and I both know that's not true. No, but I was, I, I was thinking the same way when I was 20 something years old, I wanted that five bedroom house. I got the four bedroom, and I had three boys. But uh, you know, after a couple houses, it just—it's not the same anymore. You know, you know mm -hmm. when you move into the house in five to ten years, you may be gone. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so um, what you're saying is, why people spend so much? 
Yeah. People should but, take out a huge loan, live in a mansion, especially if they know that uh, they're towards the end of their life. Just take it out and go. Do whatever you want. Yeah. That's um, like people that go out and buy this house and they sink all this money into, you know, granite countertops and the top of the line, everything. And then when they go to resell it, they don't get their money back. Right, you know? right. It's a bad, it's, it's almost like a, it, it is a bad investment, really. Yeah. And, and I mean, usually people, when they have that money, they can have experiences, but I kind of feel like there's some kind of story out there that I don't know. Like, I say this a lot. There's definitely, there's 14 million millionaires in the world. One, at least one homeless person has to be happier than at least one of those millionaires. And people keep changing this like idea that oh i have to be a millionaire i mean you hear it at business school everyone's like i know i'm gonna be a millionaire one day no you don't so why are you gonna just make that like you should make your life about something meaningful and it's easier when you're younger i guess people are more like you said they're more idealistic when they're younger yeah. yeah so it's hard for them to see that and i guess they'll just see that with age i'm just worried i don't want people to be you know that guy or that girl sitting in their house that they paid millions of dollars for with no one to bring over because no one wants to be their guest. Kind of like, you know, like the great Gatsby, he's rich as hell, but that's not really what he wants. He wants Daisy and he can just can't have her. He wants that green light across the lake. And a lot of people want that, but, um, and they think they can get it through these luxuries and they just never, you know, they never seem to get there because their, their mind's concerned with air sets, really just yeah. anything, anything that's, uh, anything that's superficial, I think, is the right word. Well, I think coronavirus is going to change the way a lot of people look at housing. And I, I'm hoping it's going to go more green because, you know, we are, you know, we are warming up, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, an environmentalist, but I can see the signs. You know, beaches are starting to flood. I've lived at the beach for a couple of years in Mexico. You know, the water's coming up. I can see it. Yeah, and that's over. That's over two years, three years. Mm-hmm. And I've been going yeah. back and forth to Mexico for twenty something years, but I've noticed a lot more in the last few years. Why don't you think there's more of a of an urgency to stop, you know, to help fight climate change? There's no money in it. Mm. Right. It, in order to affect climate change, you're going to have to spend a lot of money. You're going to have to spend more than you're going to get back. It'll it'll probably save the planet, but you know, it's going to yeah. make a lot of people poor. Right. It's not, um, you know, as Smedley Butler wrote, war is a racket. And uh, mm. so is so is dirty energy for a lot of people. And um, yeah, there's like, I guess a lot of, you know, when you're in a position of power, it's a lot of times because you wanted power. So I don't think people's first concern is especially when they get to that point, looking so far into the future where they're concerned about helping other people or saving the planet because they're more worried about their own pockets, which are already filled to the brim, you know, 
yeah. after a certain after a certain amount of money, you don't get any happier. It's just like a, I guess it's just like a power thing for some people. I, I mean, we got to just take the money out of politics. I think I don't know how to do it. Uh, I think the only thing we should change about politics is ranked choice voting. What's ranked choice voting? Um, instead of you vote and you have delegates, but you have to have certain percentage, but the delegates actually do the vote, you actually choose as the percentage of people. Like if 50% of the people vote for this person, you know, that's, that's my take on it. Okay. Oh, yeah. So if, if people vote more for a certain person, but the delegates don't like it, they can't just, like Andrew Yang, they can't just throw him out mm, or right. not televise and, and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's a, no. that's a racket. I didn't even think about that or even know about that as much. Like, right, like we still should have a republic. I, I think republics, if you take, you know, cronyism out of it, they're probably, it's probably a perfect, a near perfect system. But you, you, yeah, like you said, what'd you, what'd you call it? Ranked voting? You got to take ranked that away. Voting. Yeah, ranked yeah. choice voting. You have to take that away. You have to accept. No, you want, you want ranked. Oh, sorry. Choice voting. <laughs> You, <laughs> you want that, okay? We need ranked. I recant yeah. my previous statement. We need ranked choice voting. That's true democracy. Yeah. That's what democracy yeah. is. You know, you actually getting what you voted for. You don't, right? You know, you if you pay for uh, you pay for a tiny house, you want a tiny home, not a not right. a mansion or a or a box or a brick oven. You want a tiny home. You know, like. Right. We had to look at it like paying for stuff, essentially, because you are paying for it. You're paying for it in your freedom. You're paying for it in your rights. You're 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 paying for it as an as it is your it is your choice as a member of this club of America to have your voice heard. And if you if you don't have ranked choice voting, it's essentially taking away what democracy is supposed to mean. That's what I see yeah. it as. Yeah. Sorry, I get very worked up sometimes, Michael. You're a very even-filled <laughs> guy. Sometimes I'm just like... <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I don't get angry that often. Yeah, it's no use. Right. I used to You're... get angry when I was younger when things didn't go my way, but it wasted my time, you know? Right. Yeah, you're like a stoic. You're like, that's what the stoics <laughs> used to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, they, call, they call like anger just reacting to anything that's like not calmly or with mildness, they called like unruly emotions. And I think, yeah, I think the people that are uh, most admirable are people like you who are just like, yeah, this is happening. I accept it. I accept how things are. I accept where I am. That's the only thing you can do as a human being. Well, you can try to make choice changes. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, don't follow blindly, you know, but right. Yeah. Don't get so upset that it affects your life, your blood pressure, over somebody didn't vote a certain way. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. You you gotta you gotta go into things with a a content mind, and that's the best way to yeah. do it anyway. And if you if you get worked up like I do sometimes, people 
and you don't even realize that like people won't want to listen to you. And that's just, that's just true body language and uh, interaction and communication skills. Yeah. Um, how long do we have slotted for this? Um, I was going to have us go. <laughs> you trying to run out on me, Michael? I'm trying to have us go until about 7.34, 7.30. Okay. Is that all right? You got to – do you hate me? It's okay. <laughs> no, I was just wanting to know because my wife was walking out the door. She's going to get my son. I had okay. to tell her yeah, yes or no whether I was going. Oh, okay, I won't get you t I won't keep you too long, Michael. I'm sorry. No, she's gone now. All right, it's, All right. it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to keep these forty minutes to uh to an hour. That's usually how I try to do it. And then I'm, I'm yeah. the guy I'm interviewing after this, um, like right after we're done here, is pretty interesting. His name's Wayne. He's the mayor of this town in Washington, and they've actually you know you would love this. They, you know, like they did like in the Hoovervilles and uh, during the depression there and in Germany and the, uh, they did this in the 20th century, I believe after their economic collapse. So this town in Washington that Wayne's the mayor of, they made their own currency yeah. because people don't really have a lot of money. So they kind of made their own currency that people can use. And like, I think 25 of them is equal to a dollar. It's, it's really a uh, unique and uh, a cool story. Oh, really? I never heard of that. I was in Germany for a couple of years. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, it was like back, back, back years ago. My friend Nick Sack knows more about it than I do. Um, he collects like stuff like that. But yeah, like a lot of German towns they had an economic collapse, like things went to shit. And yeah, a lot of towns made their own money because that's all they could do because they didn't have enough money to pay for stuff outside of their communities. Yeah. I know if you wanted the best beer, you went to the monastery. No way. Yes. They made the best beer. The monks? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I quit drinking for three years after I came back to the United States because everything tasted like water. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what people say, like, compared to the um, to the Germans, just Amer and the, even the Irish do, like, American-made beers, American-brewed beers are just not good yeah but yeah it's just uh it's crazy i've never heard that the monks made their own beer i just feel like that'd be like sacrilegious or blasphemy or something no every every church makes its own version of what you call regular beer and um malt liquor hmm because no they sell That's two different kinds of beer. Malt liquor, which is a beer, and then the standard beer they call a Pilsner. Right, and right. Every, I'm not a beer drinker. every town has its own brewery. And it's usually run by a lot of the monks and stuff in the small yeah. towns. Yeah. Good thing my town doesn't have that because it would probably be shit. It would probably be bad. Um, <laughs> we have good water, though. Papakong, New Jersey has great water. That's what people say. Uh, yeah, and I went to Italy, and we went to this monastery, I guess, or like a, yeah. I guess it's like a church, I don't know. It was like in yeah. Tuscany, it was beautiful, like a castle. And the monks couldn't talk, like they, they had a vow of silence, and they couldn't talk, but this one monk um, came, like even though he couldn't talk, uh, 
Hello? 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 Hello. Okay, you're back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> where did you, where did have, you last hear? I don't know. I haven't moved. <laughs> oh, I saw. Uh, all right. So I'll just, um, I was saying how I, I went to Italy and I met this, these monks who couldn't talk because it was part of their, right. their thing. But what was interesting to me is that there was one monk, he was throwing like fake rubber snakes at people. So even though it was just, I don't know, I just thought that was interesting. Like they couldn't communicate verbally, but they could still like throw like snakes, which are supposed to represent the devil at people. And I just thought that was weird. Like, yeah, that's fine, but you can't talk. <laughs> you can't argue with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sauce. It sounds logic, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, nothing says they can't do everything else, right? Right. Yeah. They, they they eat. They smell everything. Right. It'd be interesting, like, to see how far they take that. Like, they, you know, well, we can still shock people with tasers. Like, you know, just like, what else? Like, like I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, the the church wouldn't allow that because um, there'd be uh, liability things. <laughs> right, yeah. Because yeah. the church is so concerned with liabilities these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, it's funny that we were talking about this. I didn't realize how easy it was to become an ordained minister. I'm ordained. I became ordained today. I'm a reverend. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's so easy. You just go to the Universal uh, Church of Life or Universal Life Church, and they just you just give them your email. You're ordained. You can do right. it. It's legal, especially in the United States. You can go to any church you want, do a wedding ceremony. Yeah, I'm Reverend Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can make extra cash that way, huh? Doing well. Yeah, I don't think I'd be good at it. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, like I'm already. As far as Reverend goes, I'm already a bad one. I don't know any. I don't know enough to do to do like a, a sermon or anything. And I definitely, yeah. I definitely. Well, it'd be cool. To, I, sorry, I'm not really a believer in organized religion. Mm. Yeah, me neither. Uh, yeah, because I, uh, um, you know, my grandfather was actually a rabbi. Oh, okay. And, and um my mom was christian and my wife is catholic so i've been i've seen all phase yeah, yeah but am i a religious person do i believe in god yeah i do mm. um i know a lot of people say you know even I did, thought that for a long time, when you die, that's it. It's over. Right. But something happened when my son was five that convinced me otherwise. The, my mother-in-law was dying of tuberculosis. He was in the room. And there was four other women which was all his, his mother and his aunts. And after she passed, because they s sat her up because she was choking, mm -hmm. 
And then after she passed, Stephen goes, hey, who's that guy? And my wife goes, there's no guys in here. No, the guy dressed in white behind my grandma. And we never taught him about religion. Oh, wow. I wanted him to form his own opinion. Right, right. And, uh, yeah. So it wasn't a suggestion. Mm. So I keep an open mind. Right. I think more people should do that. That's what I do. Like, I'm... I'm a, uh, I'm technically an atheist or agnostic or whatever, but I'm very spiritual yeah. and I think faith is really important. And if you're not hurting anybody, you should believe what you think is right. And you should just be malleable in your beliefs. Like you were, you know, you didn't believe in anything. And then that experience with your, with your son, I mean, that, that spoke to you at a, at a, you know, in a, in a higher way, you know, in a divine yeah. way. And that, you know, you were open enough to be like, hey, I think I can accept that I believe something else now, you know? And I, I think yeah. if more people were like that, we'd have a, a better world. <laughs> we'd have better politics, that's for sure. Yeah, people wouldn't cling so much to their ideologies, which is so dangerous. Yeah. They're becoming cults. Yeah. But, it's more about power, I think, than it is about helping people anymore. Right. Yeah, it's, um, and I don't know why. I don't know why people are so drawn toward it. You think, I don't know. I haven't met a lot of people like that yet because I guess because I'm, maybe I'm just not wise enough to see it. But I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen it in people. Like, what do you think, you know, the people you've met that are, that are maybe like that, what do you think about, what do you think drives the need for power? Um... I don't know, to tell you the truth. I've never had the need for it. Right. I've always been the kind of person I would rather be the team leader and a part of the team than in charge of the team. Yeah. And that's you great know? that you've been like that. Yeah. See, everybody knows if you read any of my tweets, my writing is sucks okay <laughs> and i know this yeah but i'm sorry when i was going when i was yeah. going through you know when i was in business i always paid my secretary better than i paid everybody else because she had to compensate for me and if you build relationships in business like that they last forever yeah, yeah, if you're uh, if you're good to people, they'll see it, and it's good karma, right? It, yeah. Like, you know, whether you believe in karma metaphysically or not, a lot of times, good things that you put out into the world, some way or another, they're going to come back to you, and whether it's directly or not, whether you want to view that as a direct, you know, causation, correlation, any of that crap. I mean, it's. I think that's a good way to look at the world, even if you don't like truly, truly believe in karma. And uh, I also like that you said, you know, you paid your secretary more than other people. And she was a, she was a woman. I love that, you know, <laughs> like giving yeah. uh, opportunities to the women. I love it. Well, she was the best person. I wouldn't have cared whether right. she was a male or female. She was the best qualified. Exactly. That's how things should be. That's how people should look at things. Yeah. 
but they don't uh they don't always do that and it's good to know that there's people like you that are always you know their whole lives want to be um and i really admire that uh in you michael because i was i guess i was someone who was obsessed with like trying to be the leader or the center of attention and from my perspective it's just that i didn't have a lot of control growing up and i guess it was a way for me to get control and then I think people have a hard time realizing that and that's why they never lose that, that thirst for control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Michael, I'm very happy that we had a conversation. Uh, you are an incredibly insightful, uh, and wise man. Uh, where can people find you find what you're doing, social media, all that stuff. Um, you can always go to, you know, my website, uh, if you go to my Twitter site, you'll get more of a day-to-day -day on me. Um, right now, I've been busy trying to get my wife's business up and going. So, last couple of days, I haven't been on Twitter a lot. But my Twitter handle is at Michael89903135. Perfect. And all that stuff's going to be linked below. And before you go, Michael, at the end of every podcast episode, I ask my guests to either suggest a book or uh, share a quote that they love. If you can live rent free, you can live a rich life on little money. Damn, bro. <laughs> I love that so much. Michael, you've been a great guest. Um, I gotta have I gotta have Gene on, and I can't wait to see what you're doing. And uh, I'm sure I'll be updated with your Twitter and all that. So thank you very much. All right, thank you. Bye. All right, have a great one. Bye bye.